Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. I think it's great that, that we can be a church that says, hey, if we can gather, uh, that, that we want to. Uh, and, and so today, really, uh, you, you might be sharp. In fact, I was talking to, to Ruben uh, before the service. Everyone here knows that Ruben's he's a, he's a sharp fella. He's like, hey, why are you here? Aren't you meant to be, aren't you meant to be in Auckland? Uh, I was meant to be in Auckland, uh, but obviously we had a wee uh, thing called COVID, decided to, to do some stuff, and we changed alert levels. And uh, so going up there was going to be like 10 services in a row, and, and that would just break me. Uh, so they were kind, and, and they uh, let me stay here. And so I was thinking about uh, today, and, and I was going to just do the, the smart thing, right, and like trot out the sermon that I'd prepped for Auckland today, which is, you know, like, you know be, that'd be smart, because um, I'd already written it. Uh, but I really felt uh, this week as I was kind of prepping uh, that, that God wanted to speak on, on something different for us uh, this morning. And so if you're taking notes, really today I want to speak on uh, courage. Because I think it's still bright, eh? It's, it's apologies. Yeah, yeah. I still, I've been lowering it, but uh, it's, just, it's just how it is, right? We're bringing the sun inside. Uh, to you. It's, it's my gift to you every Sunday, it would seem. Um, anyway, uh, and so we're speaking on courage, and, um, and, and really, I think, you know, in a world of, of changing alert levels and, and outbreaks, in a world of, of protests and, and panic buying, uh, the courage that we have available to us through God is important. That, that as a people of faith, there, there, there's an opportunity for us to be different maybe than, than the rest of the world around us. There's an opportunity for, for us to respond in a different way or to have something different uh, within us. And so today I really want to speak on the courage that I believe is available to us uh, as people of faith. Before we do, why don't you bow your heads with me uh, and, and let's pray. God, we thank you so much for, for this time as we come together. I pray that that as we lean in, as we uh, come with, with expectant hearts, that today it wouldn't be my ideas, that it wouldn't be my words, but that your spirit would move, God, that, that you would speak directly to us, that, uh, that you would change hearts and minds, that we would leave here encouraged, drawn more into the people that, that you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I think, you know, today's message really, it came from a place of anticipation. Because uh, there's, there's really been a, um, a witness in, in my spirit that, 2022 is an exciting year for us as a church. I believe that 2022 is a year in which God has, has incredible things in store for, for this as a house. I believe this is a year in which God has breakthrough for us, in which God has salvation for us, in which God has restoration for us. And so, I, you, know, I was, you know, as we were planning into the year and kind of the year was starting, I was getting really excited. I was like, yeah, this is going to be the year, you know, like 2020, we had COVID and, and I thought we were going to leave it in 2020, but it kind of followed us into 2021, but that's fine. 2021, we had a little bit of COVID, but we're like, 2021, COVID's done, right? Like, it rhymes, so it has to be true. 2022 is, is just going to be smooth sailing. And then we come into 2022, and, and lo and behold, we've got a little bit of COVID with us here too. And I was like, you know, I'm probably going to stop trying to tell God how the world works, and we're just going to go with it and, and see what, what happens. But at the same time, there was also, there was a little bit of like, ah, oh, Really? Because, like, kind of, you know, this was the year. We'd been building some momentum. There was some anticipation brewing. We're enjoying being able to all be together in one place. And now we're back into gatherings of 100. And we're having to do things differently again. And, and there was kind of that, there's that tendency to want to shrink back, to want to hunker down and, and just wait for, for all of the, the kind of messiness of the world to blow over. And can you imagine one day when we go back to doing church how we used to do church? I can imagine just one service in one space with no one having to scan things or sign, like, oh, we're not going to do what to do with ourselves. We're going to be like, this is far too simple. I feel like, I, you know, I'm sitting, it's like when you go out and you're packing, patting your pocket for your phone. It's, it's going to be that feeling. It's going to be weird. 
Right, but I was, I was kind of thinking about it in this idea of living a, a beautiful life and these lives that are compelling and, and open that, that make others, you know, beg the question of, man, something's going on there, that we're not called to live these defensive small lives. But if I'm honest, it, it kind of feels tempting to, doesn't it? To kind of shrink back and, and live a bit of a, a safe, small life in, in red and, and just kind of shrink away. But I was reminded of the fact that doing something great always requires courage, doesn't it? You know, as I was, I was thinking about this, as I was reflecting on stories in the Bible of courage, I was, I was reminded of the apostles. Each of the apostles had to leave something good to go and follow Jesus. They had to leave businesses or, or friends or family. They had to put something down to go and follow in the steps of, of Jesus, which seems easy to us now, doesn't it? We're like, well, like it worked out. He was Jesus. Like if you're going to leave your fishing business to go follow anyone, probably a good call for it to be the savior of the world. But they didn't know that Jesus was Jesus when they put everything down. I mean, maybe they had an inkling. Some of them kind of thought that he was something else. They were like, this is gonna, he's going to take over. He's going to be a new king. And, and they kind of had a bit of a rude awakening when they realized he was something other than what they hoped he would be. But they didn't know for sure that Jesus was going to be who Jesus turned out to be when they chose to put everything down and to go and to, to follow him. And so, so doing that, that was a courageous act. It was, it was a courageous uh, decision to take a chance. It's a big act of courage. Uh, heroic act. And I'm not saying that all of us need to, you know, go and quit our jobs and, and, and move to a far off land or, you know, sell everything that we own or, or whatever else it might be, the big thing that, that we read of people in the Bible doing. I'm also not saying that we don't need to do that. So, you know, it's not a get out of jail free card. Whatever God's saying to you, God's saying to you. And, and that's a, you can go on a journey. But I am saying, what does it mean? Is that an option? Do you know what I mean? If God says sell the house, and we're like, yeah, yeah sure, I can do that. If God says, hey, I want you to move to another city, is, is that something that, that we can do? What's that thing that if we're honest, in the back of your head, like, man, I'm all right with God telling me to do anything, but I'd really like him to not do that thing. You know, that, that big thing, you're like, God, you can, all of these things are, are free, you know, go for gold. You want me to give away my goldfish? I'll do it. I'll give away two. But there are some things in my life that we could just keep them stable because they're kind of the things that make me feel like, like I've got life under control. If you could leave them alone, that'd be sweet. Yeah, well, what would happen if God kind of, if God poked at them? If God asked us to, to give up them? If he did, if he did come with that sort of a request, that big sort of an ask, what would we do? And what does it mean if we're not able to say yes? See, today as we kind of look at this idea of courage, as hopefully some, some courage is built in you, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about heroism and I want to talk about fear. So, so number one, heroism. I, I want to talk about this because I think often when we think about courage, what we do is we default into thinking of courage as just the big and the heroic. It's just those, those really big, heroic decisions. We can all think of someone that we think of as a person of courage. Maybe you think of those stories that we've read in the news of someone rescuing someone from like a, a sinking car or saving someone from a burning building or whatever it might be, those big heroic acts. We're like, ah, oh, that's what it is to be a courageous person. You know, I've, I've had my own, my own brush with heroism in, in my life, uh, as others will tell you. I'll tell you the story just because, you know, needs must, but I wouldn't want to brag of, of my own heroic abilities. Uh, one time, Em and I, I have a, 
a healthy respect of heights, right? Like, I'm not afraid of heights, but I just, you know, there's a healthy respect there. Craig understands what I'm saying. You get, it's, it's just, it's sensible, right? I'm not afraid of heights, but I, I don't enjoy falling, and so I respect heights. Uh, and, and so one time, Em and I were on holiday in Topor, and, and we were just outside of Topo in Rotorua on a high ropes course. And this high ropes course, kind of the thing about it was it was a, a canopy tour, where you went up really, really high, and then you went kind of from zip line to zip line or across little rope bridges around in this beautiful old redwood forest. It was amazing. Uh, but there's, there's one zip line that I remember at night with sweaty palms uh, that was seven stories up, and it was 200 meters long. So you kind of, you couldn't see the end of the zip line from the beginning. There was just this wire that disappeared into the trees. You're like, I guess that ends somewhere safe because I'm not hearing screams from the other end, so either they're dying very suddenly or it's safe, right? Like either or, it's going to work out. Uh, and, and then just to make it a little bit more fun, the thing that the designers of the course had done, or at least the person who told me, you know, how I had to get off the, the platform, was you had to fall off it backwards. You kind of couldn't, you couldn't look where you're going, you just had to do a bit of a, a trust fall backwards and, and hope that everything worked out. And so as I told you, you know, not to toot my own hall, but I'm, I'm, I'm very heroic. So I did it, and it was fine. It was all good. And Em's actually had to take the kids home. So there's no way that you can verify that with her today. So you're just going to have to take my word for it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But, but I have to be honest. If the platform wasn't full of other people all waiting for me to have a go, and, and if the platform did, it didn't, but if it did have, you know, like a nice little ladder going seven stories back down to the ground, if there was an, an easy out and no one else kind of watching me and no other pressure, I'm not so sure that I'd be able to stand in front of you today and be like, yeah, no, I was heroic and I did the big scary thing. Because I think often when we think of courageous acts, we think of heroic acts, but often those acts are big and they're in front of people. And actually, I think that, that all too often the heroic is easier than, than the small and the courageous. That, that we can think of, of moments in our life in which we wanted to be courageous or in which other people have been courageous and, and we can tell ourselves that we're not courageous if we haven't done the heroic things because courage can actually be easier in front of others. Often the, the big acts of courage are easier than the small. Here's a question. How long since you last did something courageous does it have to be until you can no longer call yourself a courageous person? Like if, if, if the last time I did anything courageous was, was years ago in Rotorua when I went backwards on a high ropes course and, and it was all fine, if it was the last thing I did, years later, could I still call myself a, a courageous person? What does it look like to be courageous? Is it just those big moments of courage or is there something else? And I think we'd be, we'd be remiss if talking about courage in hopefully a biblical context because we're in church, uh, we, we didn't look at at least consider the life of David, right? He's kind of the biblical poster boy for, for courage. He's 13 or 14 and kills a giant warrior. We know the story, David and Goliath. He's, he's courage kind of personified. But it's interesting, if we, if we look at the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, Saul says to David, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. David replies, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. And we read that and we're like, wow, like, go David, yeah? 
Like that, that is an accomplished 13-year-old boy, not only, and he's, he's pepped up, he's ready to go fight this giant warrior, but he's also like, yeah, no, I can do this because I've previously fought lions and, and bears. Lions and bears, oh my, I can't remember where that's from, but it jumped to the head, right? That, that kind of, that moment, but let's stop and think about that for a moment. Like, yeah, yeah, no, he's fought lions and bears, good on him. Do we really think that, that here David is, he's kind of, he's playing at home with his blocks, and then the next day, his, his dad's like, hey, David, I need you to go look after the sheep. He's like, all right, Dad, marches off into the field, and, and there he is with the sheep, and along comes a lion. And he's like, oh, yeah, all right, let's go. Walks up to it, clubs it over the head. Like, when we read it, we're like, is this how his courage came about? Did he just stumble into courage one day, or did he have courage kind of bubbling away within him and, and, and just came out all of a sudden? What, what I'm saying is, is, do we know where he started? The answer is no, right? The Bible doesn't tell us where David started. But I think that, that if he's anything like you and me, maybe one day he was sent out to mind the sheep and, and he was out there and it wasn't a lion or a bear that came by, but simply that day he had to stay out in the field for the night. It was his turn to stay out looking after the sheep and he didn't get to come back to the family home. And, and, and so there for the first time he, he, he hunkers down and he takes his courage and, and, and he sleeps the night out in the field with the sheep. And, and there may be a, a few months, a, a, a few years later, he's again out in the field, and, and now that's kind of standard practice to him. He can do that. That's easy. That's not scary, but he's there, and, and he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he hears a noise, and he looks out, and he sees a figure out on kind of the outskirts of the flock, and it's a thief trying to steal some of their sheep, and so again, he gathers his courage, and maybe he, he lights his lamp, and he shouts, and the thief runs away. And then maybe a, a few months, a few years later from that, he's again woke up in the middle of the night, but this time it's not a thief, it's a, it's a stray dog. And so he gathers his courage and he goes and he runs towards the dog and the dog flees. And then maybe again, it's, it's, this time it's not just a dog, but it's a wolf. And he's like, man, a wolf's a bit of a bigger dog, but it's still just a big dog. And he gathers his courage and he scares it away so that when one day the bear or the lion come to approach his flock, he's like, I've built day after day a character in myself of courage. Do we really think it was just in a moment that he was like, yeah, no, I can take on a, I was building, I was playing with Lego yesterday, but today I am killing a bear. Let's go. Or was it maybe that there was some sort of gradual development in him? Again, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I know in my life, courage isn't something that I seem to just discover, but courage is, is grown. In fact, I believe that's an important principle for us, that courage is grown, not discovered. I don't think courage is something that we just find one day in a big heroic gesture. I think more often than not, it's the small. And it's important to realize, right, we're not, we're not anti-big acts of courage. Big acts of courage are still courageous, but, but it's not just the big acts of courage that build us. It's every act of courage. Every fear that is faced and overcome becomes a building block and establishing who we are, no matter how big or how small. We need to see courage in the, in the everyday. We need to build a character of courage in ourselves so that when the lion or the bear come, we can continue in the trajectory that we've established of the people that we are becoming, right? We don't want to just suddenly encounter a lion or a bear and be like, oh, wow, I guess maybe all of those smaller opportunities to be courageous that I dismissed could have been preparing me for this moment, but here I am. I hope that I'll find that I'm a courageous person in this situation. Courage isn't just in the big and the heroic. It's also and often more importantly in the small, courage is grown, not discovered. My second point today is to understand courage. I think we need to understand fear. Right? The, the, the first time that fear is recorded in the Bible is in, 
is in Genesis, at the very start. There are Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, they're living a, a fearless existence, but, but then one day they choose to eat from a, a tree that they're not meant to. Essentially, they choose to define good and evil for themselves, to, to step in and to make themselves their own gods, to say, God, we can define what is good and evil. We don't need you in that position in our lives. And, and in doing so, they remove themselves from God. There's a separation that's established. Genesis chapter 3 tells us, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. You know, it's, it's strange here. Adam was afraid, which is strange in the first place, but it's strange that he hides because he was afraid, and it's strange that he was afraid because he was naked. It would make sense if, say, today, standing in front of you here and now in this moment, we had like a reverse rapture and all of my clothes disappeared as opposed to, like a standard rapture would be I disappeared, right? So reverse, and all of a sudden, we don't, anyway, we won't get into rapture and stuff. That's, we don't have that much time, guys. But let's say, for the sake of an argument and for scarring you emotionally, that all of a sudden I was naked, right? It would make sense if I was afraid. If I was standing in front of you naked, that would be a rational response for me. It would also make sense if maybe you were a little bit afraid. If I was standing here naked, that would be fair. I think, that, you know, if we were all afraid in that situation, that would be entirely understandable. But here Adam is, he'd been naked the day before in the garden and he wasn't afraid. Right? Eve had been naked the day before in the garden and she wasn't afraid. God had been in the garden the day before and they weren't afraid of God. Adam hid and he said he hid because he was naked, but he wasn't actually afraid because he was naked because he'd been naked the whole time. When he says, I was afraid because I was naked, we need to realize that nothing has actually changed except for the fact that he sees himself differently. Right, the garden is the same. God didn't change. They've always been naked. The only difference was that they saw themselves differently because they had separated themselves from, from God because fear drives you from God. Right, Adam is saying, God, for the first time, I see myself and I see you and, and I realize who and what I am in comparison and I feel naked and I feel ashamed and, and, and I'm afraid. Adam is saying, I am naked and so I'm afraid, but he wasn't afraid because he was naked. He was always naked. It was not his nakedness that was the source of his fear. It was his inadequacy. It was the first moment where he realized that something was wrong, that something was, was missing. See, I think all too often we live in a fear, not, not so much of what is out there. We're not afraid of the lions and the bears, but we're more afraid of what is in here or, or maybe what we feel should be in here but isn't the people that we think that we should be, the ways in which we think that we should feel but, but don't, and we live in fear of, of that, of, of who we should be, who we could be, who we, who we aren't, of, of maybe the lies that we believe about ourselves. We see this in everyday life. Have you ever have you been afraid of something and it didn't happen? Like maybe have you ever been called into your boss's office and you're like, this is, this is big, this is, this is a serious moment, and your, your palms get sweaty, your knees get weak, and, and there's that, that weight, you know, maybe they do that thing where it's in the morning, and they're like, can I see you in the afternoon, and you've got that whole day just to, to fixate on it, and you, you get there, and finally you get in, and you're in that state of kind of dampness that you work yourself into, and you're in that kind of fight, flight or fight space, and you're like, smell a little bit, and you sit down, and you're ready for whatever it is, and your boss is like, hey, last week, you mentioned a Mexican restaurant? For the life of me, I can't remember the name, can you remind me of what it is? You're like, it couldn't be an email. You couldn't have sent me an email about this. Like, I mean, oh, conniptions the whole week. Thanks. Right? And you're like, oh, we laugh about it. It was funny. Oh, can you believe I got so worked up about it? 
But it's interesting, isn't it? Where did all that dread come from? Like, it didn't just appear the moment that the, the, the request for the, the meeting came through. It was kind of bubbling away inside the whole time, wasn't it? That fear that, oh, my boss is going to think that I'm not enough. My boss is going to see the mistakes that I've made. There are mistakes that I've made that I'm not even aware of. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not meeting expectations. Everyone else can see that I'm, I'm not as good as, as I need to be. That fear that just kind of bubbles away inside, and we have that moment for it to arise, and all of a sudden, it's all too happy to bubble up and be there. That anxiety that just sits below the surface, that, that dread. I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. I think in all of us, there's an inherent fear that says I'm not enough. I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm, I'm not smart enough. And we can be so afraid that, that in life we will prove that to be true, that, that it constrains the decisions that we do and do not make. Our life can be defined by, by fear. Timothy Keller says that the Bible tells us that our real problem is that every one of us is building our identity on something besides Jesus. I wonder if you're honest, if you look back over your life or even the last couple of years, how many decisions have you made from, from fear? How many choices did you not make because you were afraid? How many choices did you make because you were afraid? How many opportunities were lost, moments left? Is it possible that you were building your identity not in Jesus but in what you fear, that you were defining yourself by your perceived lack? See, fear is quite simply a usurper that comes in and tries to play God inside of us. Fear drives us from God because we build our identity on it rather than on who we really should be. As I get the band up, I'm, I'm almost done. But what do we do in this place, right? If we say we want to be a people of courage in a world in which, in which fear is all too common, in which anxiety is, is running amok, if, if we say, hey, we can be a people who take courage, and if we acknowledge that, that courage is not just the big and the extravagant acts, it's not just being heroic, but it's the, the everyday decisions that build the people that we are, if we see that fear is something that can rob us of, of our identity, something that we can form who we are in and, and of rather than of God, what do we do with all of that? We're just like, oh, I guess just be, be courageous and, and don't live in fear. Right? Like it's, a, it's a hard place. It's a great thing to say, but it's a hard thing to, to live out. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, you might know, says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom which should be helpful, but we read that and we're like, well, I know fear and, and I don't like fear. Like fear is the thing that is responsible for so many of my bad decisions and, and missed opportunities. So fearing God, that doesn't feel like a, like a good thing. I, I know people that fear God and it drives them from church. They're, they're afraid of a, a, an angry God who wants to punish them and, and, and they, can't, they can't reconcile that with this loving God. Like I don't wanna be afraid of God. I thought that, that perfect love cast out all fear. How do we, what do we do with that? But the scriptures here are teaching us that about fear and its relationship to us. What it's saying isn't that, that we should be afraid of God in the way that maybe you think of fear, but it's saying that we should fear only God. That, that, that space in which us, in, in, inside of us in which we, we fear should be occupied by, by God because whatever we fear is going to establish the boundaries of our freedom. If we're afraid of heights, we'll stay on the ground. If we're afraid of water, we won't swim. If, if we're afraid of failure, we won't try. If we're afraid of being hurt, we'll stay closed off. Whatever we fear establishes the boundaries of our freedom. And fearing God is not a fear that drives us away from God, but it's the only fear that, that frees us. It's a fear that says, I'm not afraid in this situation because the space for fear in my life is being occupied by a reverential awe and love of God. 
See, a life filled with fear of anything but God is a very small life. If, if we are all building our identity on something, if we build it on fear of anything but God, we're ultimately building our identity on something that will disappoint us, something that will constrain us, something that will, will cripple us. See, I think courage is simply what it looks like when God is in the right place, when we put our fear in the only thing that we can trust. We remember that, that God is bigger, that He's on the throne. And life can still be scary. It doesn't mean that we're like, oh, I'm just gonna choose to fear God and then life is all easy. We're like, I have no fear anymore. I'm the man without fear. It's easy. We still encounter fear. Life can still be scary, but our identity is not shaped by that fear. So today to, to finish, and we're almost done, but I, I, I wanna ask in, a, in an age of uncertainty, in which anxiety runs amok in the world around us, what would it mean for us to be a people of courage? What would it mean for us to remember that doing something great always requires courage and God has something great for us to do? And then what would it look like for us to not just sit back and expect for that courage to come to us, to wait for a kind of dose of courage to arise, but, but to, to realize that courage is something that must be pursued? that we wouldn't be a people that look back and wonder, man, what would I or could I or should I have done if I had a little bit more courage to not let the highest value in our life be something as, as small as playing it safe. But to realize that God has plans for us, God has a future for us, God has an adventure for us that we can pursue with the courage that He longs to provide. And so in, in application, what is a simple, small decision that you know that you need to make to continue to build yourself into a courageous person? Because courage is grown, not discovered. And, and if, when you make mistakes, when you behave in a way that is not courageous but is cowardly, that does not mean that you are suddenly a coward. That does not mean that that is your identity. It simply means that there was a moment in which you behaved in the way in which you did not want to. You made a cowardly decision. Simply dust yourself off and choose the next time, I'm gonna try and choose courage that there would be more tallies in that side of the board than this side of the board because I am building myself into a person of courage. I am growing the character of courage in me. But the only way that we can do that is really to look inside ourselves, not just to look at what we do, but to look at why do we do them and, and, and to be honest and ask, is there a space inside of me that fear can so often sit? What, what is in that space? What has my heart? What am I building my identity on? Has God's perfect love cast out all fear? Not that sometimes you don't get afraid or frightened or nervous, but, but that you are not a person that has a spirit of fear. That fear does not rule you, does not constrain you, does not define you. Your identity isn't what you fear. You fear only God. That that ultimate place is reserved for, for the only one that, that fearing brings, brings something good to us from. Not that we would do it to get something, but because ultimately He's the only one deserving of our awe and our fear. And again, it's not a one and done. It's not like, oh yeah, and no, I chose to put my fear in God and say now life is sorted and everything's easy. It's a journey. And there's continual readjustments. There's moments of praying prayers like, God, I'm not sure at what stage I put my fear and my hope and my identity in that, but I'm choosing to readjust, to reorientate towards you. I'm choosing to believe you over the noise. To pray prayers like, God, I'm feeling afraid. Help me to take my eyes off of the waves, off of the distractions, off of my circumstances and situations, off of what is frightening me and put them on you. Help me to turn my eyes towards you. And so this morning, 
And what I hope will be a helpful moment in a moment the, the band's gonna lead us in a song. You'll probably recognize it. The lyrics simply remind us to turn our eyes towards Jesus, to turn our eyes towards Him because we can't make ourselves courageous. We can choose courageous moments, but we can't choose who we are. Who we are is defined by what we do, but so often what we do is defined by by what's inside of us. And ultimately, so often what we need to do is simply to come to God and say, God, I need you to, to transform what's in me. And so sometimes all we can do is to choose what our eyes are fixed on. We might be in the storm, the waves might be raging, and we can't change any of those things, but we can choose will we look at the waves or will we look at Jesus? What's gonna have our attention in this moment? And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, everything else starts to fade and dim. And He comes to the front. Church, would you stand to your feet with me? As you bow your heads, as you close your eyes. I would love if we would sing the song, not just as a song, but as a, as a declaration, as a prayer over ourselves, that we would be courageous people and that you would carry it out of here with you as a reminder that, that when there are moments in the coming weeks in which you attempted to, to be defined by fear, in which fear clamors to take your attention, that you would remind yourself that you have the, the capacity to turn your eyes, that maybe the only prayer you can pray is, God, help me to turn my eyes towards you, to be reminded of who you are, and that as we do that, courage would be built in us, that we could make the small courageous decisions that we could make to build ourselves into the courageous people that we know that we need to be, so that our identity is not rooted in fear, but in perfect love. My church, why are you saying this? Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.